This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. Canto 10 is one of five total cantos, 10 through 14, which are set in the sphere of the sun. The saints here are especially characterized by their wisdom, mostly theologians, philosophers, and other scholars. Academic factions and debate have here been set aside so that the Dominicans delight in praising Franciscans in Canto 11 and vice versa, Canto 13. But one of the saints here seems not like the others, Solomon, who had asked God for wisdom and whom, according to 1 Kings 3.12, God had made wiser than any human being ever before or since. Or had he? Perhaps this gift of wisdom was, as the scriptural story goes on to hint in 1 Kings 3.15, just a dream. After all, Solomon did not conduct his life in every way as a wise man, as his many marriages and descent into idolatry attest. What could it mean for a man like this to be the wisest who ever lived, if indeed he was the wisest? And even if he had lived an exemplary life, could he really be the wisest ever? What about Adam before the fall, whose human nature was uncorrupted by sin? And what about our Lord Jesus Christ himself, whose human nature was perfect and whose divine nature surely gave his wisdom a superhuman boost. Dante the poet wrestles with these questions in Canto 13. Back in Canto 10, he had first seen Solomon, the fifth light in the first ring of the wise, whom the great St. Thomas Aquinas there described as the most beautiful among us. According to Aquinas, this ancient king breathes with such love that all the world below is gluttonous to hear of him. Within that radiance is the high mind blessed to know to such great depths. No second ever rose who saw so much, if what is true is true. High praise indeed. But now, here in Canto 13, Aquinas reads the doubts in Dante the Pilgrim's mind and offers an extended speech intended to demonstrate that what he, Aquinas, had said about Solomon in Canto 10 is true. In doing so, Aquinas, the character, conducts an exemplary poetic imitation of the dry scholastic method which the real Aquinas had put to such powerful effect. Dante thinks, Adam or Christ are the most plausible candidates for wisest ever. Aquinas had said Solomon's mind was blessed to know to such great depths that no second ever rose who saw so much. So they can't both be right, right? Wrong. As the real Aquinas so often insisted in his own theological texts, we must make a distinction. And when we do, Dante, you'll see that what you believe and what I say stand in truth's ring, two points upon one round. Aquinas turns first to argue Dante's case for him. Only then will he defend his own earlier words about Solomon and show that his opinion and Dante's really are consistent. 
So, the case for Dante. Aquinas gives it in lines 52 to 87, and let's face it, it's dense, it's hard to understand. But the basic idea is this. We can observe that different specimens of the same species have, so to speak, different strengths and weaknesses. As Aquinas puts it, one tree bears better and worse fruit, and men are born with various gifts of ingenuity. This phenomenon is so widespread and so obvious that it's hard to see it as puzzling. But it is. If all human beings have the same human nature, and if we are all equally human, why don't we all equally enjoy all the talents that humans can have? Aquinas' answer here is that nearly every human being, Solomon included, is the product not just of God's artistry, but all the lesser artists of creaturely secondary causes, astronomical and environmental conditions, social conditions, genetics, and so on. And each human being has a unique causal chain. Hence, the differences in dispositions and talents that arise among humans. But while God usually creates through these secondary causes, he does not need to. For example, he formed Adam directly out of the dust of the earth. And he formed the human nature of Christ directly in Mary's womb. This is why Adam, before the fall, and Christ were the wisest humans ever. They received the full undiluted range of possible human abilities directly from their divine source. So for these reasons, Aquinas agrees with Dante's claim that Adam and Christ were the wisest who ever lived. But he also thinks Solomon was wisest. How can he think this? Well, what he really meant all along, back in Canto 10, is that Solomon was the wisest king who ever lived, not the wisest human. More precisely, Aquinas says, that's where the arrow of my intention hit. He had no peer in foresight for a king. You note what I say, comparing it with what I said before, by my word rose, you'll see that kings alone were those I meant, of whom are many, but the good are few. Since Aquinas meant only that Solomon had the greatest wisdom about kingship among kings, he and Dante can, in a very real sense, both be right. Dante thinks Adam or Christ were the wisest humans who ever lived, and they are, considering wisdom in general and all human beings. Aquinas thinks Solomon was the wisest who ever lived, and he was, considering only that part of wisdom which concerns kingship, and considering just those humans who are also kings. Thus, with this distinction, Aquinas concludes, take my argument so that you may stand upon what you believe of our first father, Adam, and of our delight, Christ. Aquinas' clarification of his earlier praise of Solomon also helps us see how someone as wise as he could also commit great folly. If his wisdom is, so to speak, restricted to the realm of kingship, 
It simply does not follow that he will be wise in all respects, domestic arrangements, say, or the worship of God. Trust the experts, we're told, yes, but only on the topics on which they teach with real expertise. Are you satisfied by Aquinas' explanation of what he really meant? I'll confess, I'm not. But whatever you make of Aquinas' conclusion, what he's done with this one specific, rather minor controversy is to model virtues of scholarly patience and diligence. Were we to learn from Aquinas, we would be a bit slower to reach conclusions and we would draw careful distinctions in pursuit of clarity in our own thinking. As Aquinas himself instructs Dante, and should you rush to what you don't perceive, let my words drag like lead weights on your feet and make you slow to answer yes or no. For of all fools, that man's the lowest ass will affirm or deny, but not reflect. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Torrey Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.